G'day guys, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto Catch-Up. We are the Tappy and the Crypto Boys. My name's Ted and I'm joined by the greatest of all time, the goat of podcasting, Mr. Pav Hundal. Pav, what's going on, mate? Good, I just hate that intro every time. <laughs> you know I gotta change it up every time. But you don't, that's the problem. You gotta actually change it up if you say you're gonna change it up. When Pav and I were walking into this room, I described us as like oh. gladiators walking into the Coliseum. Yeah, you did. And I got and a how very- did, how, did I, how were you met with that comment? A very disapproving look from Pav. I don't know if he agreed with me or not. Look, I'm going to stick with it. I don't think gladiators own crypto. <laughs> well, if they lived in this day and age, they would. Yeah, they probably would. Yeah. Spartan coin. That's it. Pav, so we have a bit of a different episode last week. Yeah, it's been a bit of a hiatus in terms of live or recent recordings. We've had, a, I guess, a lot to unpack from the crypto convention. Yeah, exactly. But in doing that, we were a bit late on the whole Binance CZ news, which has yeah. been the talk of the town. I know a lot of mainstream media coverage over the last week or so. Interesting how the market was impacted. Uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, I actually think it's probably one of the most bullish news stories going around, really. So I guess my reason why. We've seen the FTX saga play out. We've seen the Doquan stuff with Terra Luna. We've seen like even the three arrows capital stuff. So a lot of like bad, bad actors in the space. Some worse than others. CZ for me, arguably, is probably the least evil out of what mm. we've seen in recent times. But unfortunately, the narrative that Binance carries with it is that they just... You know, they did an Uber. They basically jumped into countries, broke all the rules and paid any fine that yeah, came afterwards, yeah. right? So you kind of get frowned upon pretty badly for that. So there was a numerous array of charges that they were laying on Binance. The Department of Justice at one stage, even in the last couple of months, came out and said that they weren't going to pursue all the charges because at the end of the day, it would affect the crypto market so detrimentally that the average retail investor would be the one that suffered yeah. when they were trying to actually just take out the bad actors, bring those people accountable to justice. So I think it's a, it's a good ending to the saga. And it's something that I said, I think, on the podcast ages ago with the ETF specifically, that I didn't believe that the ETF was ever going to go live until... I guess all the dirty laundry was taken out to some degree. And like, I know a big part of it that would have caught apprehension, I believe, with the TradVi industry is that if they knew a, a single exchange, Binance, controlled more than 60% of the volumes, mm. that wouldn't be something that the world would be too comfortable with. So I think from this, we see a few things. And one of them is just the market share dissipate from Binance. We might see more of it spread out across other exchanges. Yeah, Wouldn't be surprised if places like the US are just super hard to get into. And all of a sudden, Coinbase is your only option. Yeah. So yeah, Coinbase is like the, the knight in shiny armor over in the US, isn't still it? Still keep getting fined. But uh, yeah, the SEC, SEC is going after yeah. them. But at the same time, like... It, it, you feel like it's a jostle. Like yeah. They're doing, it on purpose, they're doing right? all, the, all the right things. Correct. To so. break down the, the story for everyone who, who hasn't seen the news yet. So Binance was basically charged with violating sanctions law and in particular money laundering. Money laundering. They basically knew and allowed criminal organizations and terrorism financing to conduct on their platform. Yeah, the proper checks. Yeah, didn't do the proper checks and it's basically come back to bite them in the butt. They've been fined $4.3 billion by the Department of Justice, or I settled out of court. Yeah, yeah. The CZ, the former CEO, has stepped down and he's been fined $200 million. I'm sure that's absolutely nothing for him, considering how much money Binance make. Yep, yep. And yeah, Binance is looking to exit the US for good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like you said, it could open up the the market for other exchanges, or maybe it's just going to be a case of Coinbase dominate the US yeah. market. I think in a nutshell, this is... For crypto adoption, I, I think what CZ and what Binance have achieved over the couple of years, they've 
brought crypto to the state. Like literally, I think they're very much responsible for how quickly we've seen market growth and adoption just through their innovation, getting things into countries, getting people access, even though it may not have been the right way. Let's argue about that a different time. But mm. I think what we're seeing unfold now is probably the next, the maturing, the growing up, yeah. the becoming regulated. This is like the closest we've been to a full-on adoption cycle, I think, coming. Yeah. I think overall, it's really bullish news. The fact that the market, it was already priced in this scenario. I think if customs were affected in a similar way to the FTX saga, different story. like we, we would have been, yeah, we, we probably wouldn't even be sitting here today, Pav. We'd be black and white, working at Maccas. Black and white FTX stole users' money and used it in however many different ways you can think of. Yeah. Binance did none of that sort. Binance basically just allowed some criminals and some organizations to transact on their platform which which bank doesn't have hsbc exactly Westpac, we've all seen it in the exactly past, so. so they've been punished i think binance will continue to probably dominate in areas like asia yep. and other parts of the world that's they're, they're too big to fail at this Correct. point but yeah in the us it looks like they're getting out for good yeah um and yep. just just as part of that story that unfolded is Janet Yellen and some of the, oh, yeah. you know, the regulators came out and basically said, not only centralized exchanges, but decentralized exchanges are going to have to comply with US laws. Interesting. Which, you know, for anyone that understands that, it means like they're going after DeFi. Mm -hmm. And DeFi, the whole thing, it's meant to be decentralized, anonymous a lot of the time. And KYC procedures, know, know your customer is, that, is what that stands for, doesn't really go hand in hand with DeFi. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know how that plays out. Look forward to seeing it unfold. That's it. That's it. But yeah, moving on, Pav, do you want to give us a bit of a market update and what you're looking at? Yeah, it's been a few weeks since we've done one, but um, I mean, here's what I'm seeing at the moment. We're pretty much tagging some pretty serious resistance on Bitcoin right now. So, you know, we've seen the market try and rally into this three times now and fail. So 38K seems to be quite a sticky point for me. Seeing these highs swept the way we have, you know, going above 38K and rejecting last Friday isn't good. From here, if we really don't hold this 37, 36K zone, I think there's a real chance we're going back to 34, 31,000 on Bitcoin. And the one thing I really just wanted to point out here is we have had six consecutive weeks of Bitcoin going up. That hasn't happened since the last bull run. So I think it was like the May rally in 2021 was the last time we saw this many green weeks in a row. So, I mean... Just from a pure numbers point of view, like we are getting to the point where it's probably going to be a pullback at some point. This is teeing up a nice little potential reversal right now. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day for me, fear and greed's right up there too as well. I think we're seeing, yeah, we're seeing that guy at 68 right now. Last week was at 71, 72. So anything above 70 is usually like a cautionary sort of point, especially pre-harvening. I'd still love us to crack it here because if we are going to hold, this is the spot for me. And the next levels we're seeing are probably at 40K, mm. which would be great. The narrative this time around is so much different. Like we've talked about, there's ETF news. It's a spot ETF, so there needs to be spot bitcoin bought as a part of that product offering and that is potentially releasing still before the end of the year so it's still anyone's game but i would just say right now if we do see a 10 percent pullback on bitcoin you could see altcoins capitulate 50 60 percent. so just be careful in your risk allocation right now okay so you don't think necessarily now is the time to be putting everything into altcoins you think there's more pain to come for them before it we could. see a bull market if if this downward leg plays out which it could still take a week or two okay. yes yeah definitely but i mean i still think we don't know until it happens as well i still think the overall prevailing trend is up but we talk about these legs as being 
pretty short, sharp potential pullbacks. So as long as you're not holding enough where you're going to be in trouble, if you do see some losses, that's the only thing to point out there. Yeah, for me, I know like the market hasn't been impacted too significantly by the Binance news, but mm. it's still a little bit how you're going out there. So yeah. I'm just sitting back and watching and, and waiting for some sort of indication to, to get back in. Yeah. And one thing to note too is that we do have some macro news this week to watch, which we haven't talked about in quite some time now, but everything just in a summary, the last couple of months, couple of weeks that have been pointing towards the conditions are getting better. So we do have the US GDP figure coming out this Wednesday. And on Thursday, quite notably, we have this little thing called the PCE, which is the US Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. That's the primary metric that the FOMC, which is the body in the US that sets interest rates, that's what they look at as their primary indicator for how are they going to weigh up interest rates moving forward. So, you know, any sort of surprise outcome there where there's a massive drop, like they're already anticipating that conditions are getting better here with a 0.2 expected rate for the month. That could be good for the industry too. So it's news like that when the market's at like a point like this where it could go up or down It's sometimes moments like these data points, which actually can and unfortunately choose a direction, which is right now there's so much uncertainty. So, you know, that's something that everyone can look forward to Wednesday, Thursday for potentially some news. And then we have old mate Jerome Powell speaking on Saturday to Australian Eastern Standard Time at 2am. So these things can culminate to sometimes create that snap and we'll know which way we're going next week then. So we'll see what happens. Okay, cool. But top movers, there's been some good ones at least. I know things have been somewhat quiet, but it's been a bit happening. We've got Blur up 60% uh, in the week. So Blur has notably had a recent airdrop or going to be an airdrop recently. They've had season two. So for those that don't know, they do basically trading seasons and reward those that are right up there for volumes. So yep. that's up there too. So NFT marketplace there. I think also the struggling OpenSea as well and yeah. all the negative sentiment around OpenSea is probably playing a role in that narrative there. We've got, say, you know, roughly about 40% up in the seven-day chart. That's an interesting one. Say launched earlier this year, didn't it? it did. And it had a bit of a highly anticipated launch whereby it already had a pretty strong community behind it, a strong team. And That's so- backing too from Circle. Yeah, huge, huge investment. Yeah. But yeah, I think for the fact that it's up is, uh, is due to that Circle integration and strategic investment. So basically, Circle is the owner and the creator of USDC, one mm -hmm. of the biggest stable coins and they're going to bridge an integration to the say layer one network meaning you're going to be able to transact and in interact with the usdc coin on the say network which is pretty bullish yeah, nice yeah i'm gonna have to read into it I, I definitely i unfortunately have say but i've only bought so much that i haven't done a deep 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 dive it was yeah. just a speculative but i think i'm gonna definitely look into it a bit further now well our video producer daniel who's sitting right in front of me oh, really he was he was asking me what he should get into a couple of weeks ago and i was like oh you know what Say is one of those ones that you could put a speculative punt on. And I hadn't done any research into it. And uh, it's worked out as a really good sort of tip to him, but obviously not financial advice. So, Daniel, yeah, you're well. welcome. You owe me a beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> one that's a little bit more interesting, Terra Luna Classic, up 40%. And I know there's something even grosser to share here, but like the USDTC that they have, their stablecoin, the algorithmic stablecoin, the... Notorious one, it's up like something like two, three hundred percent as well. Yeah, yeah. A couple of days. Which is not the purpose of a stable coin. But. No. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised if people are chasing that one, but I would yeah. just say be super, super careful. I would stay well clear of Terra Classic or even the new one, which is just Terra, right? Like, I mean, like anything, it's speculation. So if you really see that that ecosystem coming back somehow, go for it. But I mean, I can't see any fundamental reason. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Unlike FTX, I can see FTT tokens up and that's just around the whole relaunching of FTX as an exchange. We don't actually know that FTT token will still exist as a mm. part of that exchange. It might, as a part of the remediations, have to remove it or modify it. 
So again, even things like that can be quite speculative. But I mean, hey, if you're there to punt. I mean, it's purely speculation, right? There's absolutely no fundamentals back in these coins. So you're, you're banking on the fact that, oh, some other people might yep. see this as a narrative and I might yep. make a bit of coin off it. But yeah. One thing I will finish up just with the top move is to um, when we see massive corrections like we have just this morning on Bitcoin, it can be really, really good to come quickly here to check in the last 24 hours or seven days to see what's holding up its value when the whole market tanks. It's quite common that you'll see, and we saw this with Solana and recent Bitcoin pullbacks, it was still outperforming Bitcoin even when Bitcoin was pulling back in terms mm -hmm. of its Bitcoin valuation. So I can see here is a theme that we've got uh, Axie and ApeCoin in the, I would say, top 10 here. So maybe a little show of a hand that nft gaming mm. that sort of thing as a theme could be having a bit of a rotation in terms of a play right now so not something to yeah. really bite into too hard but that trend wasn't there in the last couple of weeks so i just want to point that out now for anyone that wants to look into maybe some gaming coins yeah, actually was like one of the biggest gaming coins in the yeah. last cycle. I'm not sure how the game has developed over the last sort of couple of years. I haven't paid attention. Oh, there's a lot of competition. So exactly. It be interesting. They had that unique advantage of being a first mover and they also had a heap of users in like the Philippines. Yes. And, and it was, it was you, when gangbusters. People yeah, were making money. Because people were making like higher than the, yep. the average wage there and, and, and could actually that. make a bit of a profit on it. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Axie and, and some of those other gaming coins. That's it. And two more things I just want to cover off on quite quickly. Bitcoin circulating supply uh, hits multi-year highs. So 83% of the current circulating supply of Bitcoin out there is currently sitting at in a profit, which has not been seen since November 2021. So two things to take away there. This is pretty hallmark. And this report sort of goes into it to show behavior that we do head to see pre-bull market and pre-harvesting too, which is pre-bull market. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, if we're reaching levels statistically that were significant before the bull market was over, could we, again, could this be a top overheating indicator for a little bit of a short-term pullback? This might be another one. And lastly, just a shout out, Chainlink staking V0.2 is also launching at the start of December. So just some information up there for people to potentially look into to see if it's for them. All I would call out here is like, we've seen it ripping for the last couple of weeks. It's been going strength mm -hmm. to strength. So for me, it's just going to be something once it does land to see how it affects the market sentiment. Do we see continuation of buying and holding, people locking yeah. up? We'll see. And yeah. Well, these sorts of things, they just build momentum on exactly. their run up. Exactly. So uh, what do we got here? This is just Janet Yellen basically pronouncing Binance completely wrong despite working on the case for years. So let's have a listen. Binance. 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 <laughs> she's definitely trolling, right? I don't think she is. I think she's just that old and that out of touch that she has no idea. Uh, that's wild. I mean, if, if it's a troll, respect to her. Respect to but her. I don't think in this case it is. Yeah, I'm sure the Binance meme coins were going crazy after that. Okay, guys, bit of a change of pace from our regular sort of market update and news coverage. We are in the Scam Awareness Week of 2023, and so we've got a bit of a special episode. We're joined by Gabby Lewis. Gabby, you're the fraud manager at SwiftX. How's things going? Yeah, great. It's a busy week for us, but we've got a lot of great initiatives that we're running this week. Super excited. Yeah, absolutely. What Gabby's referring to there is uh, SwiftX is running a scams learn and earn, whereby you can earn 10 bucks of Bitcoin by learning about scams, learning how to protect yourself against scams, in, in particular investment scams, which you see on a daily basis, don't you? Yeah, definitely. It by far is the most prevalent scam type that we see. Yeah. Gabby, can you tell us a little bit about your role as a fraud manager, like what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis? 
Yeah, sure. So I run the fraud and scams function here at SwiftX. We form part of the wider financial crime space. So my team predominantly deal with matters from identity takeover, tax fraud, through to all of the different scam types. We work really closely with the AML team, but by far scams take up most of our time. Mm. And what would you say is probably the most common type of scam? The most common type by far would be investment scams. Our internal statistical analysis definitely matches what you see on the ACCC from the victim scam reports through Scamwatch. Commonly, these scams do also intertwine with other scam types, such as your romance scams, as well as more recently, the impersonation scams. So, you know, your Elon Musk getting on there as well as other CEOs as well of the big banks and all different other companies. So by far investment scams, but yeah, commonly they're seen with the other scam types as well. See, before working closely with you, Gabby, I thought an investment scam was just anything that Pav recommended. <laughs> um, but I, I found out soon that uh, that was not the case. And uh, some of these scams are like insanely sophisticated yep. and even like, you know, People like us who, who work in the industry, pretty experienced with this sort of stuff, like we can even fall victim to it. That's how kind of advanced these scammers are, are becoming, especially in crypto. Could you give us an example of a particular scam that you've come across that's been pretty severe in terms of financial loss? Yeah, definitely. So there's obviously multiple case studies, examples that I can talk through. One that definitely stands out by far was actually a relationship scam. So this one wasn't an investment opportunity, but what people will do with relationship scams is sometimes they'll try and convince their victims to get into an investment opportunity. Other times they'll also try and get them to pay for their lover's expenses. So this particular one was like paying- A Tinder swindler, that, was that kind of thing? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And yeah. it's interesting with the Tinder swindler, it's obviously a very, very common Netflix documentary. And in that particular one, the scammer actually was meeting his victims in person and he was building that trust through an actual physical relationship. So he was taking them on dates, taking them back to hotel rooms. He was flying them all over the world in these like crazy holidays and all just to scam them at the end of the day, which is actually insane. And the case study example that sticks out most to me was it was one that transpired over the course of a year and commonly with the relationship scams they will be long-term ones they won't just be a couple of weeks they will actually bait them for months and months and months and this particular one it was an existing customer that had been with us for a number of years they suddenly found themselves talking to this person online about a week after they'd been talking this person had to go overseas and as soon as they went overseas, they obviously kept talking and that trust had already been built. And the scammer started asking the victim to pay for fees, like I said, so pay for their lover's expenses. And it began with smaller things like Apple gift cards. It then went to international fees. Their bank account was locked. So there was government taxes. This was during the period of COVID as well. So there was quarantine fees they had to pay. They then had to pay for things like they started getting into trouble and they had to actually pay money towards thugs mm, next thugs. minute <laughs> yeah exactly and when they didn't pay this money to the thugs they then suddenly got kidnapped and this is all a true story mm. and they got kidnapped not only once 
but twice. They then got detained by Russian police. Mm. So the story just goes on and on. And to us, it sounds crazy and bizarre. But that trust was built so well that this victim was actually coached into lying to not only us, not only to their bank, but even their family about the reason why they were sending money out in cryptocurrency. So this particular customer went through a whole heap of different levels of verification on our platform and they passed all levels of verification. They did phone call verifications. We asked why they were withdrawing cryptocurrency. All of their answers added up. In true fact, they were actually withdrawing crypto from our platform to another exchange, which is another legitimate exchange. So the funds didn't go from our platform to the scam's wallet. It actually went to another exchange first. And that's another tactic that these scammers will use is they will try and get you to send the funds from one exchange to another to try and hide that movement and make it a little bit more legitimate. So from our point of view, ticked all the boxes, answered all the right questions with the right answers. So there was nothing actually for us to detect. Mm. And then when obviously the customer found out that they had fallen victim to a scam, they then came back and had told us this story. And there was absolutely no way for us to know that they were paying for their partner being kidnapped (laughs) in an overseas location. Yeah, it's very, very scary that the lengths that these scammers will go to. Yeah, and once they've got you hook, line and sinker, they're just going to keep writing you for as much money as possible, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. How did this lady eventually find out that she was being scammed? Uh, So she got a message from the scammer to say that he was actually returning to Australia. Mm. And in that message, he had provided her with a copy of the flight ticket, and that flight ticket was in the wrong month. So it's quite crazy that a little tiny detail like that the victims can pick up on but obviously this is after maybe they were starting to think hang on a second i've paid a lot of money because this scam was upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars so we're not talking a thousand dollars we're not talking ten thousand dollars we're talking large devastating financial impact to this victim's life yeah it's crazy like i know i've been working with you closely over the last few weeks and just hearing about the amounts lost in some of these investment scams like we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars like people's livelihoods pretty much thrown out the window to someone who just is taking advantage of them so it has a pretty devastating impact in that sense obviously your job is to reduce the amount of scams um, Mm -hmm. as much as possible we want to eradicate that from our industry because at the moment cryptocurrency can be somewhat you know, associated with scams because once you send crypto, I guess like the, the idea is like you can never send it back, right? Or you can never get it back. So if you're in crypto, what would you suggest? Like what are the scam red flags? And then on top of that, what are the things you can do to further prevent these things from happening to you? Yeah, sure. And I think it's an important thing you touch on because the cryptocurrency side of things is just one small piece of the wider scam puzzle. So the scams we see aren't exclusive to cryptocurrency. Commonly, they'll begin on the social media platform, they'll go through the telecommunication channels, they'll filter through to the banks, and then they'll end up at the cryptocurrency exchange. So essentially, we're the last line of defense. And like I said, we're just one small piece of the puzzle. But there are several red flags that we urge everyday Australians to look out for, not just in particular with cryptocurrency, but with 
scams holistically. And that can be those opportunities that present with big returns with little to no risk. They commonly come across as the once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Too good to be true. Good to be true. Another common thing will be the unsolicited contact. That will happen quite a lot. And what the scammers will also do is they'll request for their victims to move to other messaging apps such as WhatsApp, Telegram, and even at time they request remote access to their victims' devices. Mm. And they say that this is to show them what to do and it's kind of bizarre because they're showing them what to do not actually educating them on what to do then there's also your other scans where you're looking out for like the elon musk giveaways so all of those impersonation scans which i know are scams awareness week the ACCC, they're focusing on impersonation scams at the moment or even on a smaller scale like we see People impersonating Alex Harper, who's the CEO of SwiftX, all the time. You know, it's, yep. it's not just like the big, the huge names like in in the industry, like Elon and and whatnot and Vitalik. It's like lower down and definitely, and like, you know, into in the local industry, if you yep. will. And, you know, that's the emerging technology nowadays with AI. Like you've got your deep fakes, then you've also got your voice cloning, which is really scary because all these bad actors need is a mere three seconds of someone's voice to be able to impersonate them. Yeah, that's wild. So like, you know, even your hey mum scams, someone gives you a call and you say, hello, Gabby speaking, that could be enough for them to capture my voice. Mm. And then obviously with your CEOs, they're out there, they're in the media, they're on LinkedIn. So it's so easy to be able to capture the picture of them as well as their voice mm. to create those deep fakes and uh, lure people in. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's obviously up to everyone to look after yourselves and be safe out there. It's no different to like, I remember like when the internet was just becoming a bit mainstream back, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to say I'm trying to make it was just like similar things, but yeah, the grain of truth is still the same. Like, don't trust everything that you read, I guess. But yeah. Do you feel like in this modern age of scam and deception that most exchanges are doing enough or do you feel like there's always more to be done or i feel like there's definitely always more to be done however we're moving in the right direction the ACCC have recently launched the national anti-scam center which most of the banks law enforcement exchanges are jumping on and we're all doing everything we can to work together to see how we can actually combat scams because as we're talking about with emerging technology sophisticated coaching playing on psychological factors Mm. we need to work together because education is key, right? And you are your best defence. Yep. Yep. And you also work alongside the Australian Federal Police, is that correct? Correct. We've been working really closely with them. They are a part of the National Anti-Scam Centre as well. But we've recently visited their JPC3 Centre, so that's their Joint Policing Subcrime Task Force, where they're working closely with the banks and states, law enforcement, as well as some international agencies on cybercrime prevention. So we're in close contact with them for some potential future opportunities there. Yep. And what are some quick wins that someone can get in order to just add an extra layer of defence to their online accounts? Like we always talk about 2FA, is that something that you recommend? Yeah, definitely. So two-factor authentication is the number one defense against unauthorized access to your account. Mm-hmm. Most of the banks these days enforce it. You know, you've got your assets in there that can be your livelihood. So doing a simple line of security there is of utmost importance. Yeah. Would you say that most accounts that you see compromised lack 2FA? Yeah, most definitely. There are the sophisticated scams out there nowadays where people are being coached to hand over their 2FA codes. Yeah. That's one of the education pieces that we're trying to drive is 
we will never actually ask you for any of your 2FA codes, neither will any of your banks. So never provide those to third parties. And when you're accessing SwiftX, for example, make sure you're doing so via the SwiftX app or via our URL. And we always recommend bookmarking that URL because there are, you know, spoofing websites, spoofing Facebook pages, and they can coach you quite well into inputting your 2FA codes into those fake websites. Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen it before where you click a link and the the website looks exactly like SwiftX or whatever exchange you use, but you look in the URL and it's a completely random URL. Yeah, um, and sometimes just, they're so well that there will just be one little tiny difference. Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for coming on. That, that's been a really interesting chat. I want to reiterate that we've got the Scams Learn and Earn where you can earn 10 bucks a Bitcoin for educating yourself on how to protect yourself on scams. You also need to enable that two-factor authentication to get that reward. So we just want to enhance the security on everyone's accounts and make sure they're well-equipped to handle these sorts of things and to protect themselves. Gabby, any closing thoughts? Just everyone get on and do our scams, learn and earn. That's it. And stay vigilant when it comes to these things. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 